This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. My son's retirement, he's got just two more years, so 2074, he'll also be 60, $551,000. Yes, it is amazing what compound interest can do over time if we automate contributions, we stay patient, and we stay consistent. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do three things. First, I'll be sharing the lessons learned after investing for my kids for a decade. Second, we're back with our Coast Fire segment. This quarter, we're going to be featuring Kira and Danielle from the Scrunchy Fi podcast. This dynamic duo is going to share how they both individually achieved Coast Fire in their 30s and how life looks different for them both now after they've achieved this family financial milestone. And last but not least, my son Calvin's going to be joining me for another good word. With all the not so great news out there, Calvin and I are going to share some good news for all of you. All right, let's jump into today's show. Investing can do wonders if you have time and patience on your side. I've seen this firsthand with investing for my kids for the past decade. As new parents, my wife and I heard over and over that the earlier you start investing, the better off you'll be. And since we wanted the best for our kids, we started from the moment they were born. Looking back 10 years later, I am so glad we did. Here are five lessons I've learned from investing for our kids over the last decade. Number one, lump sum investing works. As soon as we got our kids' social security numbers, we plunked down a big chunk of money for their future college expenses. We went with a 529 college savings account as we felt that was the best solution for our family. We contributed $10,000 for my daughter's college fund in 2012 and $5,000 for my son's college fund in 2014. The difference in the contribution amount was due to us having more available liquid cash when my daughter was born. I had a good sales year that year. But given the difference, we tried to catch up so the accounts would become more even over the years. That extra $5,000 and the two years of additional compound growth in the market has made that pretty difficult. After years of growth, our daughter's 529 account now sits at around $50,000 with seven years until college time. And our son's account is around $33,000 with around nine years until college time. By contributing a large amount in the beginning, we took advantage of some incredible market growth over the past decade. We continue to contribute monthly, but those initial contributions really got the ball rolling for us. Number two, automation makes it easy. After our initial lump sum deposits, automated contributions supported our kids' account growth each month. We budgeted a comfortable amount, set up recurring contributions, and we simply leave them alone. As our income increased or decreased over the years, we would adjust our contributions accordingly. While we loved investing for our kids' future, we also wanted to make sure our future was taken care of first. After all, we didn't want to end up living in their basement in our retirement years, right? We took advantage of our workplace 401ks, Roth IRA, and even health savings accounts, which are HSAs, for our 
comfortable future retirement. By setting up automation to work for our kids' future as well as our future, we ensured we'd hit both these family goals eventually. Number three, invest with purpose. With the college funds building up steam and our retirement funds doing the same, I started thinking about other ways I could invest for my kids' future. After all, if investing early works well for their college expenses, why not other important future goals? So how about a home down payment for them, right? Well, starting with a generous $1,000 gift from their late grandmother, I decided to start a UTMA brokerage account for both of my kids. These accounts are only a few years old at this point, but they are doing pretty well. Right now, both accounts have a bit over $2,000 total and could serve as a house down payment fund in their mid-20s or early 30s. Hopefully, with some additional contributions, time, and patience, it'll help them each get a healthy home down payment so they don't make some of the same first-time homebuyer mistakes I made. And then also, we're helping them with their future retirement. As the owner of a small family business, which you're currently listening to, I have the opportunity to involve my kids in my work. They work as podcast hosts, as you're going to hear later with Calvin. (laughs) They work as photography talent, videography talent. They work as social media marketing professionals, and they even help me by shooting my videos. With this support, I've been able to pay them a fair wage, and I get to spend time with them doing work that I love. This idea of family work-life integration is something that has been fun to explore lately. The Roth IRA has been an excellent way for us to help our kids use their earned income from our time together to save for their retirement needs. This way, I get to work with my kids and help them create a comfortable future as well. Both of my kids have around $3,500 put away for retirement already. Number four, compound interest is awesome. These three investing goals, college, a future home, and a comfortable retirement are many years or decades away. The longer we have until we actually need the money, the more compound interest can work its magic. To demonstrate this magic, let's use a compound interest calculator to give an educated estimate on where my kids' accounts might end up. I will put a link to that compound interest calculator that I like from investor.gov in the show notes. To keep the math simple... I'll assume $100 for monthly contributions going forward, a conservative 7% real rate of return, and we'll use rounded numbers to keep it easy. All right, so my daughter's college, if we have a target date for college starting in 2030, will be $91,000. That's pretty good. That's probably going to be about half of what we'll need, but pretty, pretty good. My son's college with a target date of 2032 he'll have $75,000. Yes, still a lot lower than my daughter's. And let's talk about home down payment. Future home down payment for my daughter with a target date of 2040. So she'll be, what is that, like 28 years old? We've got $43,000. All right, that's a good starting place. And then my son's home down payment with a target date of 2042. So he'll also be 28, will be $52,000. So he's got a little bit more time for it to grow. And let's talk retirement. So my daughter's retirement, let's say a target date of 2072. So she'll be 60. That's pretty wild to think about. (laughs) With these numbers, she'll have $479,000 for retirement. And 
that's an incredible amount of money. And then my son's retirement, he's got just two more years. So 2074, he'll also be 60, $551,000. Yes, it is amazing what compound interest can do over time if we automate contributions we stay patient and we stay consistent. And everybody, I used a 7% real rate of return. So when we talk about $551,000 in 2074, that's like $551,000 today because we factored in inflation over time. Number five, it's important to show them the way. With all three investing goals, I believe my kids are going to need a lot more money to make them a reality. But as parents, we can only take our kids so far, right? There comes a point in time when we need to let them take the reins. And that's why we've been having micro conversations with our daughter and our son about smart spending, saving, giving, and investing. Conversations like the price of groceries at the store and why we decide to not buy something that doesn't fit with our plan. Or savings conversations about how we're saving for our next family vacation and why we can't buy something that uh, we don't have money for. And then giving conversations like why it's important to give to your family, your friends, and neighbors in need. And then investing conversations like how investing can help you hit really, really big goals. We're hoping that these conversations will help our children understand the importance of being intentional with their money. Over time, through trial and error, we feel confident that we'll get there. Well, enough from my side, everyone. I want to hear from you. What do you think of these lessons learned after investing for my kids for a decade? Where are you on your generational wealth and happiness journey? Please let me know by sharing this episode on social media and tagging me at Marriage Kids and Money on Instagram or Facebook, or you could do at Andy Hill MKM on LinkedIn. That way, we can keep the conversation going. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month 
each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Investing for retirement takes time, patience, and consistency. Eventually, you'll reach a point where you don't need to contribute any more money to hit your retirement goals, and that's what we call Coast Fire. On our Coast Fire segment today, we're going to interview Kira and Danielle from the Scrunchy Fi podcast. Kira and Danielle have recently hit their Coast Fire milestones collectively in their early 30s. Today, we're going to learn how they accomplished this family financial goal and how this affects their family journeys going forward. Welcome to the show, Kira and Danielle. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you both for being here. Now, I want to ask you both these questions individually, and I like to call it the Coast Fire Five. So why don't we start with Kira, and we'll go through these questions in sort of uh, almost rapid fire scenarios so people can understand how you achieve this Coast Fire milestone. So Kira, number one here, how much do you have invested for retirement? So right now I have about $750,000 invested. Wow, that is incredible. Okay, and so how old are you and your spouse? So I am 36, so my spouse is 40. Okay, 36 and 40. Now, based on your Coast Fire calculations, how much will you have in retirement if you don't contribute anything else? Jaw-dropping number, $5.3 million. That's crazy. (laughs) That is a a crazy amount. So to follow that up, how much income will this potentially provide you in retirement? Far more than what we need. So I'm like the way I gauged it was retiring at 65, investing with like a 7% adjusted for inflation return. So that's going to yield us about like $186,000 a year for income, which is, I don't know, five times more than what we spend today. So how much income do you guys need to live comfortably today? So we're living on about $40,000 today, and we're in the Southwest Florida area, so a little bit lower cost of living. And that number, you know, fluctuates, but I would say we kind of average around that. That is incredible. Okay, now that we've got Kira's numbers and story, let's jump over to Danielle. We're going to do the Coast Fire 5 with Danielle now. So Danielle, how much have you invested for retirement today? So in my retirement accounts, just by themselves, is $570,000, according to yesterday. Excellent. And then how old are you and your spouse? 34, and my spouse is 35. 34 and 35. Incredible. Okay. And then number three then here, the question we have is based on your Coast Fire calculations, how much will you have in retirement if you don't contribute anything else today? A $4.3 million uh, (laughs) sum, which is also just absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's sort of a mind-blowing number, right? And then how much income will this potentially provide you in retirement, Danielle? $173,000 a year. 
Wow. $173,000 per year. And then the same question here, number five, how much income do you need to live comfortably today, Daniel? Well, I do live in California, Ah, (laughs) so I need a little bit more than $40,000 a year. I would say around 65 to 70 if I want to take all the vacations I want to take. I love that. So yeah, I like that word comfortable too, you know, because we could say, okay, what's my bare bottom number where I just need some like, uh, you know, I need food and shelter, but then can you comfortably live on that for a long period of time? And it sounds like 65 to 70K is for you guys. Okay, so this is a fun experiment to talk about with both of you. Now that I've heard both of your situations, let's talk a little bit about your motivation and what got you started. Started. Kira, let's start with you. When did you start investing and what got you motivated? So I would say I probably started investing about eight years ago. And that's like actually contributing to accounts. And that's probably came from finding that article online of this guy retiring in his 30s. And <laughs> that led me down the rabbit hole of like financial independence. So I think that kind of got me interested in investing and knowing that this is, you know, something that people who are young can do and are doing to gain wealth, grow their wealth. But I feel like the motivation didn't really come until me and my then boyfriend, now husband, we started saving for a trip to travel abroad for a year. And I think that was our biggest money goal together as a family before we had children. And it gave us the motivation of saving for something that we really want, something that's life-changing. And when we took that time to travel abroad, we... For both of us, we had been working our entire lives. And I would say I started working at like 14. So taking a a whole year off and not working was kind of like, wow, what do I do with all this time, all these things to do? That showed me that time freedom and what my money could buy, essentially. So it gave us a taste of what financial independence could really be for us. And that gave us the motivation to invest more aggressively when we came back. I love that. So when you went back, your mindset had changed. Yes. Yep. And I set in a lot of tools. I started like tracking on paper, but then when I came back, I found all the apps. And so it kind of like set me up mentally, not just like with that goals, but also the little tricks that you do to get yourself to that goal. Danielle, what got you started on your Coast Fire journey or investing journey in general? Very different. Honestly, both of my parents went bankrupt twice in my lifetime and also living through the Great Recession taught me a lot about money and the importance of money. And I learned early on that I wanted to have money and I wanted to have it growing and I wanted it invested and I wanted to be financially independent. I didn't quite know all the particulars about that until probably in my early 20s when I researched investing and happened upon the FIRE movement, like very luckily. And that really started me like, oh, well, I'm just going to automatically invest all this money and pretend like I never earned it in the first place. And so I've been doing that since then. And so that's what really started me. And just seeing the growth, like how actually easy it is in some ways, especially if you make a certain amount of money, which to be honest, I, I really haven't been like a high earner. I'm a social worker. But just noticing, you know, that the deferred compensation, how that really adds up just got me even more motivated. I'm like, oh, I want to throw more in there and throw more in there. And so it just kind of went on from there. If you had to put a range on your income, I heard you ladies talk about this on your podcast that I listened to is you guys aren't making, you know, half a million dollars a year, but you're also not making $50,000 a year. You're somewhere in the middle. Can you give us a general range of what you guys describe as middle class income is? 
of course, it will be different depending on where you live. I just left the Bay Area where I was considered low income. I think now I'm considered normal where I am now. So for example, the highest paying job I've ever had was $111,000. So and the, the lowest paying was free because a lot of us to get licensed, et cetera, as social workers, we work for free. And I would say the average has, especially now I'm licensed, I, w- I have a master's degree, et cetera, but we still make, you know, depending where you live between 50, honestly, <laughs> sadly, and 100 and maybe 20, 30 if you work at a hospital. Got it. So that lower six figures kind of number is helping you to still amass a potential $4.3 million by the time you retire. Most of that was earned not with a six-figure salary. In fact, I never earned, to be honest, I never earned the $111,000 because I went on maternity leave when I reached that level of income. So I think I've had three years where my family has earned over $100,000. We've never earned collectively over $120,000 ever as a family of four. So the income side of thing, are there other things outside of your earned income where you're pulling in income as well to help you to amass this amount of money? We did little things like dog boarding, but it was never highly significant. Got it. Okay, cool. Excellent. Excellent. And then Kira, same thing for you. I'm interested in your general range of income during this period of time that's helping you to amass such a large fortune. Yeah, I think... To same with Danielle, like within, if I look back over the time frame that we've been saving and investing, I took ample maternity leave, two, two kids as well. I mentioned that we traveled for a year. So like we haven't had like a steady income this year is actually like the, the probably our first year that we've had probably a slightly higher income range. When we talk about like snowballing your your efforts of growing your net worth, there's at some point you get to where it's just like, if you can save that year, it just ends up snowballing to this like larger. So we're at that point now, but I would say over the past several years, it's probably been around 75,000. Whereas this year, it's going to be much more because I took a higher paying position full time this year, but also we now have three rentals. So we're just kind of like collecting all those income streams as well as keeping our expenses low. So we're growing that gap between the income and expenses. So it's not so much like, oh, well, you made that much money. Well, if you spend it all, then, you know, you can't really save and invest that. So I think what me and Danielle have figured out is how do we control those expenses so that we can have that big gap so that we can invest it. That's great. So let's talk about that big gap because obviously, you know, somebody could make a half million dollars and spend a half million dollars and they're not getting to these numbers. So talk to me about your savings percentage, how you guys calculate that and why that's important to grow that gap. I guess we'll start with you, Danielle. You're absolutely right. Living in the Bay Area, you just buy another <laughs> Tesla <laughs> and you aren't saving anything. Or even if you do, your lifestyle expenses are so large that saving a million dollars is not even scratching the surface. For the last 10 years, I lived in a below market rate condo, partially as a single person, then with my spouse, then as a family of three, then four. That helped us have our savings rate be quite high. I think it has been around 50% for quite a long time, but it is no longer that. And I think that's the beauty of Coast Fire, which I'm sure we'll get into. But so yes, for like 10 years or something around there, our savings rate has been very, very high. That is due to not going into lifestyle inflation. I don't own a Tesla. You know, my car is 10 years old. 
et cetera. So we've just been very frugal and mindful of our spending, you know, spent in line with our values. And so it's it's been around 50% just based on that. It's just our, our lifestyle really just never inflated very high. Yeah, that makes sense. And then Kira, would you say something similar? Yeah. So when I started my investing journey, it was with that in saving for financial independence, it was that year that we took off. So we didn't really earn any money, but we didn't really spend any money. But we found the ways to help control our expenses. And when we came back, I started looking at how can we like efficiently change all these things in our lives so that we can reduce our expenses. So one of the things that I thought about was looking more into house hacking. So with the year after my daughter was born and, and we were living in an apartment, I looked into house hacking and I said, we need to buy a duplex. And, you know, some of the things that people think about is, well, you know, you're going to have somebody living next to you, but I was living in an apartment anyways, and people were living on all sorts of sides for me. So I said, it's, you know, it'll be perfectly fine. At least as a landlord, you can control part of who is living next to you. So my husband was 100% on board, although neither one of us wanted to be landlords. But when I showed him that at the time I I was working that somebody could stay home with the, with our daughter if we do house hacking to reduce our expenses that was going to be help us achieve that goal. So we have been house hacking for the past four years now. We're still in our duplex right now and I've rented out the other side. So that has helped control the housing expense so that we can, I mean, our housing expense is like 5% of our income, which, you know, the average is somewhere around 30%. So that's just a crazy, you know, huge win for us. But we also have, you know, that like 10-year-old car. So we've bought, you know, we bought used cars. We kept them for a long time. We've done like one car family. I was like seven months pregnant walking home. And I was like, this is fine. It's healthy for you. So, you know, we've done like <laughs> little things like that to help control those larger ticket items. And as well, I think the biggest thing is that me and my husband are on the same page. We both want that financial independence dream in reality. And like when we go to spend, we're both, we have that in our mindset. So we don't go lavishly, you know, spending beyond our means because what we really want is that independence. I love that. Well, you you ladies both have shared a story here of intentionality and focus over a long period of time. And I think that's really what it takes to amass this amount of money based on your age. Now let's talk about this realization of Coast Fire and looking at those numbers, maybe even saying them out of your mouths right now with your microphone saying, oh my Lord, that's going to be millions of dollars. What does this realization of Coast Fire mean to you? Does this make you want to change your path over the next 10 years? I guess let's start with you, Danielle. Yes, it does. And it did. I, I've i been influenced a lot. Just I read a lot. I, I read Die With Zero by Bill Perkins. <laughs> I think I was already on that path of questioning a little bit. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Being Coast Fire, reading that book, you know, thinking about my life really kind of existentially of like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm not here just to save money. Like, if I just come from the place that I came from that I mentioned about being worried about bankruptcy and and financial stability, sure, right? You would amass forever. You'd probably never feel like you have enough. You'd probably always feel like you need more. And so I looked at my kids, you know, who are like five and two, and I'm like, no, I don't want to stay in this condo anymore. I want a house and I have enough money to do that. I'm just going to go do it. I don't even care that this is not a good time to buy a house. I can financially do it. So we came and we bought a three bedroom house. I'm quitting my corporate job and I'm going to work for myself and I feel fine about it. Like I will no longer be 
contributing a ton to my 401k or my Roth IRA, et cetera, because I don't have to. And I'd rather spend that money maybe going to Portugal instead. Congratulations, by the way. Thank That's you. a big leap. And that is for somebody who, I don't know, I don't want to put a label on you, but I suffer from a little bit of financial anxiety when it comes to numbers based on however I grew up and then just maybe just some things that have happened in my lifestyle where, I, where I've always felt is more money in the bank or in the investment account can't be a bad thing. But you get to a point where you've got, where you've got a lot of security and then you can't deny the numbers and say, okay, maybe I need to live for today a little bit more. And personally, I just add to that is that going through the pandemic, you know, and, and having that sort of pause where it's like, hey, man, Nobody knows what's going to happen. So we might as well try to enjoy a lot of our life today. And I definitely enjoyed Die With Zero as well. Kira, I'll ask you a similar question. Now that you have seen your numbers and you know where you're headed towards in the future and all that you've done, what does Coast Fire mean to you? And then in the next 10 years of your life, how is your path maybe different? Or is it even different? That Coast Fire is saving enough to retire at 65, but I really want to pull the trigger around 40. So I think that's why I am working. You know, my life today right now, going to work, taking care of the kids, it looks the same as anyone else's life. So I figured, okay, why not keep going? So we are still like aggressively saving. And like I said, we've kind of like gotten to this point where everything, like we just have like an insane amount of savings rate because of the things we've set in place, keeping our expenses low. We have these three rentals that help bring in income. And I guess technically I am kind of financially independent just with the rental income. So that's been a a big win. I think we kind of have this financial security, which is really great because like you said, the pandemic and all the things that happen and, you know, just raising children, you know, will we be, will we be okay? Of course, money doesn't make everything okay, but it does help. So one of the things I want to move up that retirement age to much sooner so that me and my husband and my family have more of this time freedom together while my kids are still young. They're actually the same age as Danielle, five and two. And I think I also want to like, you know, be able to take more risks like Danielle. I don't have like a private practice. She's like helped me kind of reach out to become like a money coach. So I feel like I want to be able to go out there and be able to help other people and not you know, that being an entrepreneur is a lot of risk. Having a little bit of that safety net allows you to go out and take more risks. So that's kind of where I'm looking at and how I'm feeling. I love that. And I love how both of your paths are very unique and individualistic based on your specific situation, based on your geographic situation and, and what you have personally for goals in life. I think sometimes we, as creators, maybe put something out there to say, hey, here are the steps to do this. And that, even just by putting it out there, is putting a label on what the right way is and maybe the wrong way is. And I think the reality is everybody's got their own path. And then until we start to investigate it and find it out for ourselves, we don't really find it out until we make those steps. So congratulations to both of you for not only amassing this great future for yourselves, but also taking a step back and looking at it and saying, okay, now what does our life look like over the next 10 years, 20 years and beyond? And I'm sure it'll change again in the next 10 years as you guys uh, experience more life in the future. Let's talk to the person who's been listening to our conversation and saying, you know what, why would they amass so much money and then just realize that they don't need it? What would you say to those people who are listening right now? They're saying that's just too much money to save. Well, I would say that having this amount of money actually gives you the freedom to actually go out and like enjoy your life. And I wouldn't sacrifice your happiness now in order to amass that money either. I think for Kira and I, due to 
privileges and life circumstances, et cetera, we've been able to do this without harming ourselves or, you know, drastically sacrificing to the point of not having an enjoyable life. If, if that's the case where it would cause that person such drastic sacrifice, then perhaps other factors need to be considered. But if it, this is feasible and they could save this amount of money, this would allow them to maybe do what Kira is doing, right? Like retire earlier than 65 or cut down to part-time work or try entrepreneurship, et cetera. So it just buys you freedom to actually live the life you want. You know, I'm a therapist. I work a lot with people who are working for these huge corporations People feel stuck. This is a way to actually make it so you would have the freedom to not stay in that environment if you don't want to. And that is priceless in a sense. Kira, I have a question for you. Somebody's listening and they are very inspired about starting their Coast Fire journey. They're saying, wow, I would love the options to have that reflection point to say, retirement set, you know, my financial situation set. What do I want to do with my life now? What is one step they could take following this interview to start their Coast Fire journey? Well, I feel like if you're already fired up and you're motivated, because really motivation is the number one that will keep you going throughout your whole journey within anything. It really does, having tools to help you get into your goals is really helpful. And I think I love having, you know, the Empower app any kind of budgeting app on my phone. If there's something that I'm going to, you know, go over that, you know, a category that month, and I always go into like looking at the restaurants and eating out. And I'm like, okay, you know, by this, I think we've kind of hit our hit our number, our budget there. So let's kind of, you know, no more eating out for the rest of the month. But usually we don't, we don't know those numbers. We don't have any reflection. We don't have any kind of exposure to what that information is. So I, I love having it on the app because you're scrolling through social media, and then you can go and scroll through that as well and just kind of have like a little eye opening experience. So that's really low hanging fruit. And I think it just kind of gets you going. That's a great point. I think taking time to see where we currently sit financially and then analyze that and say, okay, where can I move going forward? And I, I love Empower's app for that. I, I use that on our net worth building journey too. And uh, it's got a great price, which is free, which is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Tell people where they can learn more from you and where they can subscribe to your podcast. Yeah, so we are on all the social media platforms. We love TikTok, short, quick, fun videos for you guys. We're sharing information to scrunchy mamas, silky, crunchy mamas. We're sharing information for other mothers so that they can get their financial house in order so that they can bring the whole family together to reach financial independence. TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, podcast, wherever you are, we are finding you. I will put that information in the show notes, everybody, for you to connect with Kira and Danielle. I am super inspired by their story, and I think we need to hear more of this. So I'm so glad that they are out there putting this information out for all of us to learn from them. Thank you both so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do a quick favor for our family. Please share your favorite Marriage, Kids, and Money episode on social media and tag your friend Andy at Marriage, Kids, and Money on Instagram and Facebook or at Andy Hill MKM on LinkedIn. To encourage you to share your favorite episode, we're giving away free books 
from past podcast guests to one random person who shares our episodes. This quarter, we're giving away Make Space for Happiness by Tracy McCubbin, Money and Love, An Intelligent Roadmap to Life's Biggest Decisions by Abby Davison, and Just Keep Buying by Nick Majuli. Speaking of promoting positive work and sharing good news, I found this good news story from People.com recently, and it's entitled, Missing Boy, 8 Years Old, Survived for Two Days in Michigan Park by Eating Snow and Using Leaves for Warmth. And to help me read this article and share the good word once again, I'm happy to be joined by my son, Calvin Hill. Welcome back to the show, Calvin. Hi. How are you, buddy? Good. Does this sound like an interesting article you're interested in reading? Mm-hmm. All right, let's jump right into it. Michigan police released details on how an eight-year-old boy survived after going missing for 48 hours while camping in Wisconsin. Second grader Nante Nimi, who is from Wisconsin, disappeared during his family camping trip on the Porcupine Mountains Wilderness State Park. His family reported at the time that he had been walking, gathering firewood for their campsite when he went missing, per a Michigan State Police news release. Authorities were eventually able to locate the boy two days later underneath a log about two miles from the campsite and in good health thanks to his survival skills. A number of you have asked how Nante survived in the woods. MSP tweeted on Monday. Lieutenant Wickstrom says the boy told them he covered up with branches and leaves for warmth and also blanketed the long he was under. He didn't have any food but ate clean snow for hydration. MSP went on to say the boy stayed put when he got lost instead of continuing to walk further into other areas of the woods where it could have taken police and rescuers potentially even longer to find him. He walked a trail Sunday, and when he ran out of the trail, he figured the best thing to do was to just stop and wait, MSP said. Officers offered to carry him out today, but he told the guys who found him that he wanted to walk. More than 150 search and rescue personnel from MSP and local police partners, including nine canines, were searching a roughly 40-square-mile area on foot and in the air and by water for the boy on Monday as the weather conditions allowed, MSP said per the news release. One rescuer, Ellie Talsma, told ABC News that When they found the young boy one afternoon, he seemed perfectly fine. Nante was just walking around. He was talking. He was asking questions. The rescuer said, noting the boy, said he wasn't even hungry. Nante's loved ones rejoiced in the happy news, including his elementary school in Hurley, Wisconsin. We can't even adequately express our sincere gratitude, the school district wrote in a social media post. Although our emotions are very raw at this time, we want to acknowledge the extreme outpouring of love and support we received over these past few days. May all those who took part 
in the search and rescue efforts that your work will have a positive impact on many lives forever. Excellent. Very cool. Wow. That's an interesting story. You know, it made me think about we were just in the Upper Peninsula, Northern Michigan, right? And we went to Uncle David's camp. Remember where you were skipping rocks? Yeah. Can you imagine having to live outside at that camp for two days by yourself without like the building there? You'd have to live outside. What would that be like for you? Well, the only like toys in front I would have were skipping rocks. But those are pretty good toys, right? <laughs> so you'd so you'd entertain yourself by skipping rocks. What's your record for skipping rocks now? Eight. I eight. Think. You got an eight. Or nine or eleven. I'm pretty sure it was a niner. Remember, you it went skip, 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 and then it went skip, 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 skip. skip. Yeah, it was like a <laughs> spiral. <laughs> That was a pretty good skip. I enjoyed that. We went there pretty much every morning to the beach to skip rocks, right? Yeah. That was a good time. So let's go back to the story. You know, we're talking about uh, Nante here. If you were outside like Nante and you needed to stay warm, what would you do to stay warm? I would probably, like, gather sticks and then... Find a sharp stick that could, or like, grab bark Yeah. and put the bark over the sticks. Mm -hmm. So then it would be like a blanket. Okay, so you're trying to make like a little coverage for yourself so you don't get too cold. Yeah. I like it, man. Very, very smart. So do you think Nante's brave? For being out there and just walking out of the woods afterward. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And what do you think about these rescuers that came out to save them? What do you think of those guys? They're so cool. They are so cool. Because they rescued the child. Absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty nice to know that if you got lost as an eight or nine-year-old boy, that people might come and help you and save you, right? Yeah. It's pretty nice that we live in a country like that, that would have that. Well, thank you very much for reading this story with me, Calvin. I want you to help me now to read the shout out of the month. We're going to be giving away an awesome book to someone who supported our family show on social media. And since the last good word, we received five social shout outs. Isn't that nice? People just shout out the show, say, way to go. This show's awesome. Let's go. Okay, Calvin, I want you to help me read the shout out of the month. We're going to give away an awesome book to someone who supported our family show on social media. So since the last good word, we received five social shout outs. So can you ask Google to pick a number between one and five? Hey, Google, pick a number between one and five. Here's a random number, one. Okay, well, our first shout out from since the last time we did this was from the restored dogwood the dot restored dot dogwood on instagram who shared an episode called your stuff is costing you time featuring author tracy mccubbin and here's what the restored dogwood said great episode by mkm and tracy about stuff taking away your most important possession time awesome way to go calvin i like how you read that and i really like how you do the good word with me thank you so much for doing it and 
and the restored dogwood, I'm going to be shooting you a DM on Instagram. And I'd like to offer you one of these awesome books from past podcast guests while I tickle Calvin and read this. If you want to share your favorite MKM episode on social media and tag us at Marriage Kids and Money on Instagram or Facebook or at Andy Hill MKM on LinkedIn, you'll, you'll have a chance for Calvin to pick your name and you'll receive a free book from us. Wouldn't that be cool, Calvin? Me. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> you're tickled like <laughs> Anyway, Calvin Giggle Guy and I will be here next month sharing the good word. So, Calvin, thank you for being here, buddy. I appreciate it. <laughs> I love you, buddy. I love you, too. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, my son Calvin is going to end the show with a quote today from Jonathan Swift. A wise person should have money in their head, but not in their heart. Very good reading. Here's to using money as a tool to create the life you want. Carpe diem! Carpe diem.